Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Fallon and Nick Stevens. And on tonight's show, we're going to get into some news, including the promotions of Nick Vespi and Logan Gillespie to the major leagues, as well as a debut that didn't happen on Monday night when Adley Rutzman was not promoted to the major leagues. We'll also get into Gunnar Henderson's continued success at Double A Bowie and talk about our players that are under the radar. But tonight, we're also joined by a special guest, Andy Costco, the Baltimore Sun, who I'll introduce in a moment. Bob, uh, as we always do each week, we like to shout out new members of our Patreon community, and I'll turn that over to you. Yeah, so last week we crossed 100 patrons, and we are lucky enough to get one more over the past week. B. Nickel, shout out to you on the Baltimore Sports and Life message board. Thank you for supporting us, and uh, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club, absolutely. Um, introduce tonight's guest. He is a writer for the Baltimore Sun covering the Orioles. He is Andy Koska, and Andy, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh, counting yards right now if you hear some background noise, but it's good to be here. Yeah, you're the first guest that has actually joined us from the press box in the middle of the game. So. <laughs> That's a well, nice uh, ambiance. The, the, Verge, the Verge asked me on, I, I say yes. So. <laughs> no matter right. where I am. So. We're glad to have you. And we'll start with one of the big stories of today, which is that Nick Vespi was promoted from AAA Norfolk, joining the team. His performance at Norfolk over the first few weeks of the season spoke for itself. He was absolutely dominant there. But what kind of role do you think he has in this bullpen? Yeah, I always kind of felt like it was a matter of time for him to get up to this level. Uh, I was down in Norfolk last week. Uh, I talked to him for a story. And, you know, he, he really talked about how this year especially, he, he, he's kind of done what a lot of pitchers in this organization have done, which is attack the zone more, uh, less you know, trying to – be perfect on the on the uh, on the corners. He's really going after guys, and it's been a pretty immediate success for him at AAA level. Uh, for the major leagues, um, you figure he can probably slide into a little bit of the mid to late inning role. Uh, he's probably just going to be a one inning guy. Uh, obviously, it's nice to have a lefty in the pen, especially against uh, the Yankees when you have some lefty power hitters like like Joey Gallo and, and stuff like that. So it could be a matchup kind of guy, but. He really he, he's shown throughout his you know especially this season that he's he's not necessarily a split guy. He doesn't need to be lefty lefty. He can do both sides. So um, especially because he's got running the fastball, it's like almost a cutter, uh, and then the slider is kind of his knockout pitch. So uh, he 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 will be you know a pretty decent uh, should be pretty decent out of the pen immediately uh, at least if it translates from Triple A. Um, and, and imagine it would be something like filling in for Paul Fry or what they thought Logan Allen would be. Yeah, it could kind of be the same thing. Yeah, interesting comment from, sorry, Nick Turney here. Sees Vespi filling the same role that Richard Blyer did. And, yeah, I guess I could kind of see that. I think he has a little more, more upside than Blyer did. But, you know, as soon as Paul Fry was optioned, I, I felt like it was the writing was on the wall that Vespi was going to eventually take his spot at the Major League roster. And then, obviously, he was DFA'd even this past weekend. So, yeah, excited to see him up here, get that slider going. He had a great Arizona Fall League. He's been amazing in Norfolk so far this year, and it'll be exciting whenever, maybe tonight while you're live on the show, he'll make his major league debut. Yeah. 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 I know you mentioned in a previous story about some call-ups that uh, uh, Buck Britton was kind of chomping at the bit to give that call to those guys. How did that play out for Vespi? Was it Britton that gave him that call, or do you, do you happen to know? Yeah, yeah. I talked to Vespi before the game today. Uh, he said Britton gave him the call last night actually and said like hey it's a possibility that you're going to come up and so the first thing 
you know, that best we did was he called his parents. Uh, and they, even though it was just a possibility, they, they booked, uh, booked tickets from South Florida to Baltimore uh, just in case it would happen. And his brother, who just graduated college, uh, his younger brother just graduated. And, and he, he's here tonight as well, as well as some family friends in the, in the park. So everyone pretty much moved. And then early this morning, he, he got the official, like, yep, you're, you're going to Baltimore. So he made the trip. Uh, from Charlotte, I believe he's is where he made the trip from, and um, yeah, it was. I don't think uh, Buck Britton has these like grand ideas of what how he wants to wants to do it. Sometime he mentioned how he wants to like, include the uh, Norfolk Police uh, Department in, in one if he has enough time to time to do it. But um, so far, he hasn't. Number one, he hasn't told many people. Bradish was told by Chris Chris Holt broke, broke the news instead of Buck Britton, so he didn't get a chance there. Uh, but some of the guys, you know, has been so uh, so last minute, you know, such a rushed uh, call up that he hasn't really had time to plan something that special. But uh, you know, either, even you know, no matter if it's a phone call at you know 9 p.m. last night or, or whatever it is, it's going to be special for for Nick Vespi no matter what. So yeah, and we got we saw a word right afterwards that a lot of movement seemed to be going on this afternoon, and then in the middle of all that, Logan Gillespie gets the call up as well. Wasn't a AAA for too long. The organization is clearly pretty high on him, added to the 40-man to protect him from the Rule 5 draft over the offseason. But uh, how do you think they're going to use him this season now that he's up? And uh, what have you heard about him from the organization? Yeah, we, we asked Hyde about that pregame, and he thought he was going to be just a valuable arm to have kind of in the mix, especially during this long stretch of games. And He, he can cover multiple innings as Austin Hayes sends one to the warning track, and that's caught. Uh <laughs> But yeah, Gillespie, Gillespie can cover multiple innings, and that that'll be a good thing for this bullpen. Just right now, they're in the middle of this like what 19 game, 19 day, uh, which I'm feeling too. I know the players must be feeling it. I am. So uh, he can definitely, obviously, when, when they added him to the 40 man, it was a pretty clear indication uh, that they were high on him last season. Um, and again, he will be, you know, kind of a multi inning guy that. It has some pretty good stuff. It, unfortunately, the, the, the move was made so late that we didn't get a chance to talk to him in the, in the clubhouse. I haven't seen an awful lot of him, uh, unfortunately, so I can't give you an in-depth uh, scouting report or anything. But, uh, yeah, he, he'll be he'll cover multiple innings, and he will come in handy this, this stretch of games. Yeah, we know he throws hard. He's got a nice off-speed pitch, and he works fast like our favorite Gene Pinto, so that'll be fun to watch at the Major League level. So, Go ahead, Bob. Oh, I was going to say one guy who also made his major league debut uh, in St. Louis, who was on the taxi squad, and then he got demoted today is Rylan Bannon. And uh, do you think he showed enough to, you know, earn another look down the line if they need somebody? Or what do you think the plan is with him? Is he just like a fill-in guy when needed? Or do you think he has a chance to carve out a role with the team? Yeah, I, it kind of felt a little bit more. Sorry, uh, Cedric Mullins just sold base. So let's need some background. You got a good jump on that, but. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like Rylan Bannon was maybe more of a, of a fill-in type. Uh, the fact that um, he doesn't have the position versatility that a guy like Tyler Nevin does um, always limits him a little bit. Uh, the fact that Nevin can play five spots if you include DH, but all the corners really helps, even if he's going to be hitting under the Mendoza line right now, and you figure maybe he evens it out a little bit. But uh, that, that'll keep Nevin around. And the thing with... Um, Roland Bannon, you know, he's really a third baseman. Brandon Hyde said he was willing to kind of give him a shot at second base if he needed to. Uh, that shot never really came to be uh, just because there wasn't super a need. I mean, you, you had Odor, you kind of needed a lefty in the lineup. So it was not an opportunity to have a have an experiment with, with uh, Bannon at second ever when he was up here in St. Louis and Detroit. But, yeah, you know, he, he could. You never know with, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, it would be great. But um, you never really know with these guys. But you know, he, he definitely showed that he's a pretty athletic third baseman. He can make a lot of plays. Maybe that translates over to second base pretty well. And, you know, that could be useful down the line. One injury and he's up again, definitely. Um, but you will kind of see down, down the stretch what, what exactly happens. The player that I think a lot of fans are really interested in following right now is Kyle Bradis. He's really the first prospect in the wave of what we think is going to be a lot of big debuts this year. And so far, things have been relatively successful for him. He did have a little bit of a command issue Monday night against the Yankees, but he was dominant in St. Louis last week. Have you been surprised at all that he's kind of you know started off strong? 
I don't think I'm surprised. You know, he's he's 25. He was really good at Mexico State. You know, he, he's he's a pretty experienced player for you know in terms of prospects go. So I feel like he was pretty ready for this. Uh, and talking to him, like he is incredibly. We have a ball coming towards us. Oh, oh, wow, that's pretty amazing. We usually don't get them in the press box here. So that's 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 cool. Uh, but yeah, he, he just he seems very uh, very poised. Um, you know, not he does. He's not really rattled by things. It kind of, if he can live in the zone, he's gonna be, he's gonna be good. And, and last night it was his off-speed pitches. Well, the changeup was working okay, but like the cur- the slider especially was really not as crisp as it could have been last night. And, and that's gonna be the main like thing is if he can spot that pitch. Uh, you know, he he can do what he did against St. Louis uh, last night. It was not. The, the best performance from him, but again, it's, it's against a, uh, a Yankees lineup that has some power left-handers in there, had some trouble. He worked through, you know, he was pumped getting off the mound in the first inning after a 30-pitch first inning and, and gave up no runs. Uh, you know, so he, it wasn't a bad outing by any by any means, but uh, definitely was was a step down from, from what he has been doing. But yeah, I, I'm not entirely surprised. I think, um, you know, this is kind of the guy he is, he's, he's been ready for this, and it just was a matter of time before he got up here and could show it. Yeah, I was at the game last night, as was Zach, and, you know, the stuff obviously plays like the slider-fastball combination. It's just a matter of command with him, and I was actually talking with Zach Peake for a minute while we were at the game, and it seemed like a lot of the Bowie and Aberdeen players were there watching Bradish pitch and, and having a good time, so it was cool to see. You know, that's a tough Yankee lineup. I thought he actually pitched pretty well despite the end results there. Them. Yeah, uh, and of course the, the the homer last night is a uh, you know a Jose Trevino into the right corner that goes like 320 feet. You know, so it's it's kind of like just an unfortunate that could be a, a fly out another park. So you know, it, instead he goes you know four runs instead of it could have been one run in a, in a different world, I guess. But you know, it is what it is. That, those those nights will happen. I guess it kind of evened out with that Stanton uh, hit to the left field. It might have been gone if the, the wall hadn't been moved back. Yeah. Uh, just looking at this major league roster as a whole, what's kind of a month into the season or so? What surprised you the most about this major league roster? I guess uh, the middle infield kind of surprises me a little bit. The fact that Chris Owings has a place on this roster and he seems to not be in the everyday plans at all. Um, I kind of figured if, if he was going to be around, um, you'd want him to get at bats and pinch hit or defense replacement, whatever it might be, uh, be that at, you know, anywhere on the left side of the infield, second base or anywhere in the outfield. Instead, it, it's been, I forget exactly how many games he's played off the top of my head here, but I mean, I think he's played like two games this month, <laughs> like something, you know, like that. It's, it's been pretty infrequent, maybe, maybe three, but that is a surprising thing that you, they haven't utilized that roster spot in, in a way that, especially with a short bench when you had, you know, Mateo is, is going to be back tomorrow, most likely. Um, when you had Austin Hayes out too, but on the active roster, I mean, you basically had a two-man bench and then never use any bench players. So it, it was kind of it was kind of interesting. Um, again, I mean, his, his performances at the, at the plate haven't really warranted um, much of a much of a role. Uh, his utility ability is is kind of maybe the the best reason why he's here. Uh, he can play everywhere, but currently he's not playing anywhere. So it's just kind of that's surprising a little bit. Um, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that that is he's got that spot just because of that? Like he's a guy that you you don't have to worry about getting him in there. Like if you had a guy like Jemai Jones, Ryland Bannon at that last man on the bench spot, you know you want to get them more at bats than just once every week. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have, I have thought about that. And it's, it's definitely a, a case where if you have a younger guy, it's, you, you don't want to have him come up and then sit on the bench. I mean, you want regular bats for these guys. And that was a lot of the reason why Ryan McKenna went down in the first place before. Now he's back because of, you know, injury kind of situation. But, you know, you kind of want everyday at bats for young players. And so, yeah, with, with Owings, you can, kind of leave him be and he's a vet he, he knows how to go about his day-to-day and you don't have to really worry about him and there's a little bit for a team that is incredibly young there is a little bit of luxury to have a guy who has been around and and you don't really need to worry about him on a day-to-day basis and 
I'm sure he would like more playing time. Uh, but, you know, Brandon Hyde doesn't need to worry about, oh, my goodness, I have a top 30 prospect that's sitting on the bench when he, sh- he should be, you know, in the game. Which which you could argue that, that Jones could be playing second base on a nightly basis instead of Odor. But uh, the, the thing they like so much about Odor is, is a lefty bat, which they have very few of right now. So uh, at some point, we'll, you'll eventually see, like, Stowers or Newstrom up with a lefty bat that'll help in the outfield a little bit. Um, uh, but, get healthy, uh, Terrence Bever, right? Yeah, yeah. So if if you yeah, so you'll you'll see some movement eventually. But yeah, I think right now it's tough to tough to warrant having a another player that that you'd like to get everyday playing time to sit as a twenty six man on the bench. So. Yeah. Um, speaking of Mateo, you said he's coming back tomorrow. Hopefully. Um, we had Kyle Glazer from Baseball America on uh, a couple of months ago, and he was really dismissive of Mateo. Uh, he's a 26 guy on the end of your bench. Uh, I think he had some uh, looking at his time in San Diego, which wasn't very high on, on Mateo. Um, but what have you seen from the growth of Jorge Mateo this year, and kind of what impact has you know Matt Borkschulte and Ryan Fuller and this new hitting staff uh, had on his development? Yeah, I actually just wrote a story. I was talking to, to Matt Fuller about the, the incremental swing changes that Jorge Mateo has had. And it, it really all started, like, once he made the uh, opening day roster is when, you know, he kind of began these changes where he got a little bit lower in his stance. He spread out a little bit his base. Um, he had such a, like, his load was, like, he went way up, back up here. Instead, he, they, it's, they made his load a little easier and just goes into the slot. So it's more time. In, basically, his bat time in the zone is, is longer. Uh, you know, less, uh, you know, I think his his last, his, his previous swing, and that's through the middle, his previous swing was kind of in and out so fast that he had to be so on that it just, the, the margin for error was, was you know, tiny. So this this helps his bat path being in the, being in the zone longer. Um, Mateo, I, I feel like has a he's he's a dude that actually could stick with this this team long term. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty high on him. Uh, just the way that I mean, you can't teach speed. Well, you can't technically, but like you, you can teach people to be like somewhat faster, but not blazing fast like Mateo. Yeah. I think is the the third fastest sprint speed in MLB this season. Uh, his fielding is is pretty top-notch honestly he, he makes this spectacular sometimes the routine is you're just like you know you gotta you gotta make those a little bit more consistently but but he can make the spectacular play uh last time i checked he had five defensive runs saved in uh in in, in, the, in the season so we're like averaging defensive runs you know saved whatever the stat is help me out there but uh he is doing well defensively and um you know yeah i think I wouldn't say he's a 26th man. I think he's he could be an everyday shortstop, honestly. And, and maybe that changes when you get uh, Jordan Westbrook and Gunnar Henderson up here. Um, naturally, the, you know you have those guys. I think have maybe more plus at the plate. Um, but Mateo, yeah, I think has a has a long term role with the team, just with his you know utility defensively, but also his his ability to, to run and and he has a little bit of pop. I mean, two homers this year, I think he has. And you know th- those come out in flashes every once in a while where you like. Oh, I didn't expect him to hit a ball that far, but I mean, he can do that too. So, yeah, he'll be he'll be back in the lineup tomorrow. He, he said today that he he could have played today, um, but he just said that um, it was kind of a case of they just want to be like overly cautious with that left shoulder and make sure that there's nothing really going on. Um, but yeah, he he'll be he'll be back in the lineup soon, and and he, he's proved himself so far as as one of the you know on a, on a team that doesn't have that many consistent batters. I mean, he's he's kind of one of the few that have been pretty impressive this season. I'm yeah, glad you and, brought up his defense okay. because I remember when Mateo was a prospect, the book on him as it is with a lot of young shortstops is, oh, he's going to have to move off the position. The glove isn't going to stick there. But yet this year, I think he's looked not only like a major league shortstop, but a significantly better major league shortstop than he was last year. So you know what kind of work he's been putting in defensively? Yeah. Yeah. Brand Hyde said that every day before we even arrive, he's out there taking grounders there. Uh, and they don't practice like he never practices the spectacular. He never practices balls off the middle that he has to twirl and spin and, and do all that fancy stuff that you know with the with the off balance throw. He doesn't practice that at all. Is that's just kind of like he can he can do that and he'll he'll pull that out. What he really practices is the day to day like ground ball to short. It's going to be an out every single time. It should be an out, and that's what he's trying to do. That's what he is kind of like hoping becomes 
the truth for him is that every single time a ball is hit within four steps to his right, four steps to his left, that it's going to be an automatic out. So, you know, and he can make those plays where it's suddenly seven steps to his left and it's still an out. And that's great. And it's, it's great for his defense. But he, he's really worked on just the routine. And I think that's maybe been the biggest jump from from even last year, as you said, but but definitely as a prospect to, to now, he, he's made a jump in his, in his defense. And he, he puts the work in, definitely. Yeah, you can definitely tell that the defense is has been, like you said, he's put the work in. It's definitely improved from where it was last time we saw him last year. And offensively, he hits the ball hard. His expected batting average is 288 compared to his 241. Actual average is expected slugging is 457, which is almost 100 points higher than his actual slugging percentage. So, yeah, I think he's played really well, and, and speed doesn't slump. So that's always a good thing to have. I think if he is the 26th man on the next Orioles playoff team, then it's pretty good 26 man, but uh, yeah, where do you, it's, as Adley it, didn't, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. It's fun. I just wanted to, you know, quickly, he, he, he mentioned one time I asked him specifically about the swing changes uh, and about like what he wants to do with the plate every time he gets there. And he's, I think his direct quote was like, just put it in play because like when he puts it in play, anything could happen. And I think like it's, it's, it's a very true, like if he puts the ball in play and does not strike out, like there's always a sliver of a chance that something happens and he's, on second fairly soon with the way he steals <laughs> so it's uh yeah yeah but, but go on with Ali. i cut you off there oh no actually that reminds me i wanted to say that you know, that bat path thing that you were talking about with him with his uh swing change i think adam hall i can't remember where i read that but adam hall talked about making a similar change and another fast guy that you know get the ball and play utilize that speed so that that's pretty cool yeah i was gonna say you know obviously i think a lot of people expected Ali to come out uh come up and make his major league debut yesterday that didn't happen I think we're we're done guessing when that's going to happen, whether it's Friday, whether it's May 31st, whether it's July 31st. Uh, but as he hit a two-run homer tonight, what do you think the Orioles uh, – where do you think the Orioles are in their process with him? And obviously they have a plan. Do you have any idea what it is? I have no idea. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. And if they tell you that they have an idea what the Orioles' plan is, they're lying. They, no, I don't think anyone knows. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been talking to people close. I'm doing a story on it for – whenever it comes up about his football career, actually. So I'll give a subtle plug on that. But it's a, it's kind of a funny story. And talking to people close with him, and they have no idea. You know, they, they, they keep asking me, like, when should I buy tickets? And I'm like, if you know where to buy tickets, like, tell me. Then I know when, like, I should be prepared. <laughs> like, I don't think anybody really knows. Uh, Friday makes a lot of sense uh, as a day. But Monday made a lot of sense. Uh, but, you know, we'll keep on guessing. I think he's... I think he's ready. Like, I never thought that it was a chance of. Oh, that one. It's going to be background noise here for a little bit. There's a double from Ogor right as I, I criticize his uh, offensive ability to double. Um, How that goes. But, uh, well, yeah. I think there was never, you know, I think uh, the other day I went, I saw he was over four or whatever, you know, on, on Sunday. And yeah, Sunday it was or something like that. And, you know, it's hitting whatever it was in AAA, where it's like 200 or something like that, kind of below there. I honestly like don't think that matters that much to the O's. I don't think they're waiting for him to say like, oh, he has to hit 300 in AAA before we call him up. He did that last year. You know, he he's he was ready out of spring. He was basically going to be on this roster if he was healthy in spring training. So I really think all it is is does he feel comfortable at the plate? Um, and if he feels comfortable, he just, uh, it's now a tie game. Um, if he feels comfortable with the plate and his timing's back, even if the balls aren't falling, and like if you if you looked earlier tonight, he hit one a ground out like 107 miles per hour for that. So like you you kind of you'll live with that out if you're just going to purely look at the analytics side of it, and like it shows up on the stat you know stat line as. He's 0 for 1 tonight in the first inning, but he hit that as a laser. That was 107 off the bat. So I feel like that's probably a sign that, you know, he's comfortable. And if he's comfortable, he really should be playing at Camden Yards uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, I think I think they know that. They're just they, – they, they want to be – As an E4 RBI. E4 RBI. E4 RBI. If you know you can hear that for the scoring at home. But, uh, yeah, I, I think – it was definitely a case of he's he's ready and they're just now waiting for a good day to, to bring him up. And, and Friday would make sense. Um, I don't I don't love the idea of doing it on the road, um, just as like a fan base thing. You want you basically want to have a packed camping yards for it as packed as it can be. But 
yeah, we'll see. But I, I, th- I don't think they're waiting for him to magically hit a two-run homer. I don't think that's going to change any. Uh, you know, I don't think that's going to change too much. <laughs> yeah. Well, the home run he just hit right now is 112.6 miles per hour off the bat. So, uh, yeah, he, he's clearly up. He's clearly ready. Yeah. Um, but to look at another guy who just got sent down and kind of go in the reverse spectrum, opposite end of the spectrum here. But uh, you recently wrote about Ryan McKenna and his hope to carve out a full-time role with the big league squad. Do you see any path where that's possible at this point for him? Uh, Orioles have a lead through too. Sack fly. Um, you're asking about yeah, McKenna, you know, with the, I, I have a, a really tough time, honestly. I know I wrote a story about how he wants that to happen. Um, I have a tough time seeing him breaking into this outfield in a long-term like starting role as a fourth outfielder. I can believe 100% because he can play all positions. He has speed. He is good defensively, even though you know we kind of we kind of doofed the ball on his first day up um, in left field at Comerica Park. He misplayed a misplayed a ball uh, that was a double and turned into a you know, uh, I guess one bag error, but technically a triple, I guess, if you want to just for, you know, lamest terms. But uh, he could be a fourth outfielder. I don't see his potential maybe reaching, breaking into the starting lineup ever, especially when you have a guy like Kyle Stowers kind of breathing down the neck of he's going to get a promotion to AAA. You feel pretty soon, especially, I think he's hit, I think he had a two run. Oh, is he already in AAA? Yeah, he's already in AAA. I'm mix, mixing him up with, uh, who am I thinking about? Who who are, who are the two home runs tonight for uh, in Double uh, A? Gunner Gunner had two home yeah, runs. Gunner Henderson. Oh, I'm just making mixing up my blonde hair <laughs> prospects, but yeah, you feel like Stowers is is kind of close, honestly, and and a guy like Robert Newstrom is close. So you have like prospects in the system that maybe have more offensive upside. Although obviously McKenna has shown his bat at the Triple A level has been great. Um, so, you know, it's tough to say, but unless they, you know, trade Anthony Sansander at the, at the deadline and, and they need a starter in, in that fashion to, to kind of be a holdover, I, I think he'll be more of a fourth outfielder, especially now that, um, you know, Hayes is back in the lineup. And, and Sansander is a, a, he hates playing DH. I asked him about the about playing DH and he hates it. Like, he never wants to be DH. He wants to be in right field or left field every game. He loves fielding. Uh, you know, I was talking to him. He was taking ground balls at first base one time. And I was asking about like longevity and like I, I mentioned how like oh like you're a switch hitter, you could be a great DH like into your 30s. And he was like, no way. Like I, I'd rather play first base than be a DH when I'm in my 30s. Like so, I think you know, and he's a good fielder, so like it, it's it's definitely doable uh, for him to play you know in the in the field. You don't need to DH him. Yeah. So I, I think McKenna will really be a fourth fourth outfielder for for the time being, if unless. I mean, what, he's 25. I mean, like, you can't ever count somebody out. Like, that's – it would be crazy talk to say that's definitely going to be his cap, but it's probably what I, what I would see it as at the moment. You wrote a great piece recently covering Nick Vespi and Robert Newstrom. Um, we know Vespi now is obviously in the majors, yeah. but we talked about how Newstrom really is trying to make himself a more complete player. We know he has a lot of power, but – it's really the other areas of his game he's trying to prove are major league ready. What was your takeaway from that conversation with him? Yeah, he, he talked a lot about like last year, especially he heard when he when he wasn't put on the forty man roster that probably the biggest criticism of his game was his swing decisions. He could have he got some chase. Uh, he has a lot of power, but he could chase some pitches. And and I think the biggest one was uh, just his his defense. People didn't think you know, as an everyday MLB player that his defense in the outfield, even in right field was maybe up to what they were comfortable with as an everyday player. Uh, he really worked a lot on that. Uh, try to get, you know, he has speed, like he didn't really need to add too much, but he, you know, so it was really was that first step that he really wanted to, to correct it and work on it. McKenna just struck out uh, three pitches uh, with a man on first, which is an unfortunate outcome there for him. Uh, but, um, but yeah, New, Newstrom, I think offensively definitely has a lot of upside, and he could be a DH technically at, at this level, maybe. But if you can have the ability to slot in any of the three outfield spots, you, you just feel better about his ability to translate to this level. And um, he's worked a lot on that. And he has, I think he has three errors this year. One took a weird hop on him, 
one was a throwing error, and he's he mentioned how he's worked a lot on his a lot on his arm to try to like make sure those do not happen. Right hand number 34, Joey Crable. Okay, Crable in. Um, Crable now pitching for the Orioles. And yeah, I think the last one, I forget what the third error was, but he, he's making a concerted effort basically to be just a more complete player. Um, and we're seeing it this year, I think he's, he's been better defensively. Um, and Norfolk has some weird wins. I know you guys go down there probably quite a bit. And I mean, that can be a weird place yeah. to place to play in the outfield so i think that's probably a good learning ground a little bit um yeah i grew up down there going to norfolk ties games all the time that right field especially is uh can be a monster um i think ryan malcastle is the only guy who i've seen like conquer that right field wall up there but um uh you've had the opportunity to watch deal hall this season you've talked to him what have been some of your biggest takeaways from not only just watching hall pitch but sitting down and talking with him yeah um i was talking to a scout at Aberdeen when uh, he made his first uh, his first start of the season at an affiliate. And the scout was saying, like, he always had that, that fastball. He always had that, that big curveball. was was pretty impressive. He, the scout thought the changeup was maybe the most impressive pitch just from uh, in terms of where it improved from pre-injury to now post-injury. Um, that definitely it impressed me a lot. I kind of closed that when I went down to Norfolk to talk to, to DL again last week. I posed that idea and was like, was that your most improved pitching? And he, he he couldn't commit to just one. He said he really worked on that changeup a lot, but he feels like the curveball especially is trying to differentiate it with – it's basically like he's trying to make it more of a 12-6, uh, and it's, it's really to make it like a lot different from a slider. So he has two very distinct breaking pitches there. Um, and I think my favorite – my favorite quote from him in that conversation was about how, like, he's not just a 100-mile-per-hour fastball guy. And, and, and you see it. Like, I've watched him now twice uh, in, in his affiliate play in person. And, you know, yeah, the radar gun is impressive. And he has that 100-mile-per-hour fastball when he needs it. When he needs to blow up, blow a pitch by a guy because he needs it to out desperately. I mean, yeah, he, he can definitely wind back and get it. But the most impressive thing is how he can spot – those off-speed pitches and especially the changeup inside against righties has been really, really impressive. And I think that's an important pitch just for, you know, his long-term longevity. Um, and, you know, he's, he's, I think people, people have this like belief in him that he's going to be a reliever at this level. And he does not have that belief. And I, I don't really have that belief either. He has the stuff to be a starter. And the fact that he can spot four pitches consistently, you know, he, he has the stuff that he can go through multiple times in order. I think that was the, maybe the most like nerve wracking thing was that one's definitely out of here. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Judge is uh, second of the day. It's quite a day for him. He could have three home runs if not for that left field wall. So that's a uh, that's a tie game again. Uh, that was a no doubter. Um, but uh, but um, where was I? Oh yeah, yeah. Like I think maybe like the fact when he was a little bit more fastball curveball heavy, I think maybe people saw like if he's only going to be that, how's he going to get to the third time through an order? Let alone a second time through an order. And I think the fact that he really you know he's super comfortable with that changeup. That that slider is pretty deadly out of his hand. It's it's that is those pitches that make him uh, a long. You know, I think he can have long outings and, and he can be uh, he can be a, a, a really good starter at this level. At least I think. Yeah. so. I don't know. I'm not a scout, but I think so. I'm not a scout either, but I definitely think so. I think we saw a lot of those big improvements after the 2020 miss year last year. Even though it was only like 34 innings that he got in, I feel like you could see the improvement of the command on his off-speed stuff and. Yeah, in his rehab stuff, especially that game, one game in Bowie, I felt like he was just the best I'd ever seen him. And uh, that changeup was getting swings and misses almost every time he threw it. Obviously, easy 100. So, yeah, can't wait to see him up at the major league level. Where am I? Okay, Gunnar Henderson, he, two home runs tonight. I mean, he seems to be making a run at climbing to the very top of prospect rankings all or all together with his performance in AA at just 20 years old still. You see him making the jump to AAA by the midpoint of the season? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, Attention media. It, I, it was funny. I, I talked to uh, Jordan Westberg early in the season at AA 
about that infield. Basically, I wrote a story about how the future of the, the Orioles infield is, is in Bowie with, you know, with all the guys they have between Adam Hall, uh, Joey Ortiz, um, Gunner, and, and uh, Jordan Westberg. You know, all there. They, they could all technically be in Baltimore at some point. And uh, although who knows where Adam Hall will play, he might be in the outfield by then. But um, Jordan, like, I asked him to compare like how each of them differ. And he said Gunner has, even at 20 years old, has absolutely the best raw power of the bunch and that he's seen. And just, I mean, you saw it tonight with, with the ball exploding off his bat, but he's, he's kind of, like, I, I feel like that's true. And, you know, Jordan said he was kind of maybe the, the best like, contact hitter of the bunch, and Joey was the best uh, fielder of the bunch, could make the best plays. Just funny because Joey plays so much second base there. But, um you know, I, I, that was just that was Jordan's uh, J- Jordan's breakdown of the group, and and I think you know he's right that, that Gunner has, has a lot of pop on that bat, and, and I talked to Gunner about it. You know, I think you hear so frequently like, is he going to outgrow shortstop? Like, legitimately, like outgrow it because he's probably still growing at twenty years old. And you know, I posed that to him a little bit and was like, do you see like third base is the option? And of course, he gave the PR answer for a second where he was like, oh, wherever the Orioles want me to play, I'll play. And then he quickly changed his, changed his tune to, I'm a shortstop. And I'm going to be a shortstop at the next level. And, and so far, I mean, he hasn't had any issue with being a shortstop in double A. I haven't seen anything that's like, oh, maybe he needs to be a third baseman. You know what? I haven't I haven't seen it. Um, we'll see if Mike Elias uh, agrees with agrees with me. You know, they, they might, he and Matt Blood might say, you know, third base is just the better position for him to play long term in terms of you know for his jump to the major league level but um it's a nice play well, um end of the inning there but uh yeah I, I think gunner will make the jump pretty soon uh to short um in the triple a level um how soon i don't know um but He's, he's absolutely raking at the double-A level. I mean, he 29 straight games on base. He had one game off, and now was two games back on base and not two homers. So uh, definitely an impressive uh, impressive uh, stuff for him this season. Yeah, and if anything, I feel like the defense has gotten much better from last year. We saw some, some errant throws last year. He's got a strong arm, but the accuracy was not always there, and he wasn't just missing balls, I feel like, when I saw him a couple times in Aberdeen, but I haven't seen that at all this year. Dude. All right, we got one more here. I don't know if Bob or Zach have any more for you, but uh, one more for you. Grace Rodriguez made a, a statement tonight, like five and a third scoreless, like, what, 11 strikeouts, 19 or 20 whiffs. Um, is he getting to the point now where he's forcing that promotion relatively soon? Yeah, I think the, the best part of that was the season-high pitch count to 87. Uh, they're going to steadily increase that. Uh, I was talking to his dad, and his dad said that you know, we figure by midsummer he could be in the promotion talk. Uh, so not like entirely right, you know, on the doorstep. I, I think I saw someone tweet like, could he be like Sunday starter? And I'm like, no, nah, I don't, I don't think he's in line for that. Um, but he's definitely making a, making quite a case. Um, I think what it, what impressed me the most was he was throwing 99 mile per hour sinkers that look pretty deadly. Um, you know, so that that's definitely a good sign. Um, but yeah, he he's. He'll make his debut this season. Uh, whatever that might be is kind of up to um, how healthy he can stay, how long, how long he can, uh, you know, extend his innings. Um, you'd like to see him complete six. I think five and one third is, is the most he's pitched this season in the AAA uh, level. Uh, again, but 87 is the most he's pitched so far. So, yeah, see if he can hit 100, I'd say. And once he hits 100 pitches, um, you, you'll feel pretty good about, about Grayson coming this level. Well, Andy, we really appreciate you taking the time out while you're at Cannon Yards covering the game to talk to us tonight. Tell our listeners where you follow you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, you can follow me uh, if you look up Andy Cusco. I'm like the only one out there with this name, I'm pretty sure. But uh, uh, K-O-S-T-K-A, uh, the at is at A-F Cusco, K-O-S-T-K-A. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. We'll definitely have to have you come back with a more calm atmosphere in the background. <laughs> it, this good. was fun, Appreciate though. This was fun. Yeah. Thank Sounds you. Good. Thank you all. Yeah. All right. Thank you. That was Andy Kotzka, the Baltimore Sun, giving us really good insight from the press box, Cannon Yards. 
It's kind of like he had his own cheering section um, in a way. Yeah, now I feel like uh, the letdown. We just left the ballpark. <laughs> There's no more cheering. No, I, I thought that was a cool atmosphere for an interview. So great insight from Andy. He does great work with the Baltimore Sun. Definitely check him out if you have the chance. Yeah, we plugged some of his pieces on the show before in a relatively short time he's been with the Sun. I think he started there back in the spring. Um, he wrote a very good one about Hudson Haskin that we talked about on the show a few weeks ago. We brought up the Robert Newstrom, Nick Vespi piece. He mentioned he's working on a story about Adley Rutzman that I'm really looking forward to reading because not only do I think it's going to be an excellent article, but it's going to mean that Adley Rutzman is in the major leagues. And I don't want to spend a, a lot of time dwelling on the fact that Rutzman wasn't in the major leagues last night because while I kind of had expected it and was, you know, felt something of a letdown, I also don't think the Orioles are reacting to anything. Whatever their plan is, is their plan. And I'll tell you right now, I have no clue what that plan is. You can tell they're definitely keeping this close to the chest. Um, and the Orioles, you know, keep things close to the chest like this, but this especially feels like nobody's going to say a thing. All of a sudden, one afternoon, you're just going to find out he's in the starting lineup in three hours. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's the Michael Elias style. Like, we didn't uh, see Nick Vespi and Logan Gillespie uh, coming today. I mean, I, I thought Vespi would definitely be called up soon after the Paul Fry uh, demotion and subsequent DFA. But Logan Gillespie, that kind of came out of nowhere. But I, I definitely think they, they have it planned. This isn't reactionary. If we know anything about the Elias regime, it's that it's very buttoned up. It's very, you know, they have they know what they're going to do, and they're going to do it as long as everything goes according to plan. So It'll be very soon. Like I said, I'm not. I'm. I'm done speculating. But uh, it. It'll be here soon, and it'll be an exciting day when it happens. Yeah, I bought the tickets to, to go see him and uh, pushed our episode back. But it was still fun to see Kyle Bradish pitch. Felix Bautista, even though he gave up two home runs, it was still cool to see the big guy up on the mound. Yeah, I'm, I'm not speculating either. I'm. I'm not wasting any time or energy. It's people today was a was a show on a social media. Um, look, it, when it happens, it's going to happen. All I can say right now is that tonight he had the two hardest hit balls in this game. Shout out to Charlotte Knights for the Statcast data: 112.6 miles per hour in the home run, 107.5 miles per hour. You look at the batting average, whatever you want. Look at any statistic you want. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, some of that data, like he's hitting the ball hard. Uh, he's hitting the ball far. The, his first home run that he hit the other night, I mean, I don't know how he connected. The win might have finished pushing that one out, but the fact that he was able to connect on that ball that was about to like show at his shoulders, uh, literally about to hit his shoulder, I don't know how he was able to turn on that uh, and get it out. But, I mean, the guy's ready. Uh, something... The Orioles have their plan and they're going to stick with it. And, you know, after watching Grayson Rodriguez tonight as well, not watching him because we were getting ready for this and doing the show, but looking at this line, I mean, 99.2 miles per hour twice. Um, Average almost 97 miles per hour in the fastball, 11 strikeouts, like Andy mentioned there, season high in strikeouts and uh, innings pitched. I think the defense, I saw some rumblings there, the defense, of course, in Norfolk's kind of messed that up at the end there, but I'm not throwing any speculation out there, but if, you could bring both of these guys up at the same time right now. Like they're ready at this point. Yeah, I, I definitely think, yeah, that one home run by Rutschman. Yeah. You said it, it, the wind might've helped a little bit, but to bring his hands in and turn on that, that's major league stuff right there. He's been ready for a while, but, and also like you said, Charlotte Knights, can we get stat cast data in every freaking minor league ballpark? Cause it's amazing to have the Kyle Stowers home run was like what? 104 point something cool to see. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, when I saw Adley playing uh, in Aberdeen, that one game, his first of the rehab appearance, and even just watching him on MILB TV, you can tell he hits the ball incredibly hard almost every single time he makes contact. And to have that represented now with a mile per hour by the stat cast is is pretty cool to see. I bet his expected batting average is much higher than his actual batting average. Yeah, it does feel like Grayson is, if he's not ready, he's very, very close to ready. Because we talked at the beginning of the year, like you need to stretch him out a little bit and get him going. Well, they've done that. They have been pushing him deeper in the games. He has been throwing more pitches. And he's actually been challenged a bit in his last few outings. You know, it hasn't been that he's gone out there and completely dominated. Tonight he did with 11 strikeouts. But couple of his outings recently, you know, he's had to work through some tough luck on defense, maybe not having his sharpest command. 
And he's done what I think you would want your starting pitcher to do is at least keep the tides in the game. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of Kyle Bradis against the Yankees on Monday night. Bradis didn't have his best stuff. wasn't his best start. But the Orioles were still in that game when Kyle Bradis uh, was pulled. And that's kind of what you want from your starters and something the Orioles have not had much of in the last four years. So I, I think Grayson Rodriguez is at least at the point where he can do that. And I think that, you know, I expect that you're still going to see Adley Rutzman before you see Grayson Rodriguez and before you see D.L. Hall. But I think that that gap between Rutzman and Rodriguez, probably not that wide at this point, maybe a few weeks. Maybe and I don't think we're talking about months. Yeah, let's say Adley gets caught up Friday. Let's just say it's no speculation, but uh, just say he did. Then maybe that May thirty first date is the Grayson date. You know, get him face Julio Rodriguez and stuff. But yeah, I think he's getting very close. And I like what Vivek said that that eighty seven pitch mark is when they brought Kyle Bradish up. So to see Grayson hit that many pitches in a game is means he's getting fairly close. And you know, they might want him to break ninety before they bring him up, but. It's exciting. He's faced adversity. He's fought through it and rebounded nicely, which you want to see, which is, I think, what Justin Ramsey talked about last year when uh, he faced some adversity, or was it Matt Blood? I, I can't remember, but he faced some adversity in Bowie, or, and that's when, you know, that they said they saw, felt like they learned more about him from that than when he just goes out and dominates, and, and I love to hear stuff like that, and man, this team is going to be so exciting in a month or two. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Like, yes, I know Orioles fans are, and we can move on from Adley Rutschman and you know, Grace Harder get after this, but um, there's been so much Adley Rutschman talk, I know. Uh, but I know I completely, all three of us wanted Adley Rutschman up last year. The man belonged in the major leagues last year. No one is denying that whatsoever. Um, but think about this now. Like, we've been demanding these prospects come up for so long now, and we've had Felix Batista. Uh, I can't even remember all of Kyle Bradish, who was pitching very well, I think. His expected numbers are a lot better than some of the numbers he's putting up right now. 11 strikeouts, no walks. Like, I love, love Kyle Bradish, but I never imagined him doing that his rookie year up in the big leagues. Um, he is pitching extremely well. Uh, Nick Vespi and Logan Gillespie tonight. Hopefully, they make their debut tonight or sometime soon. We're seeing these calls. Ryland Bannon, uh, they're trickling in. And now, like any day now, we're going to see Adley Rutschman. And then, like Zach said, it's a matter of weeks, not months. So give it a couple weeks. Grayson Rodriguez will be up. Give it a couple weeks. If D.L. Hall keeps pitching like he's pitching now, he's going to be up. Top three prospects in the system. Kyle Stowers, his back-to-back home runs, uh, home runs of back-to-back games tonight, he's starting to heat back up. And even though with that slump, I don't think the strikeouts, I don't have his numbers up in front of me, uh, but I don't think his strikeouts have been ticking up even during this slump. Uh, so again, that could be a matter of what Adley's doing right now in AAA. Maybe he's hitting the ball hard, but it's just a lot of you know bad luck or whatever. But like these guys are are right here. They they are coming. Um, and in two months, this major league roster is going to be one hundred percent different than what it is now. Yeah, absolutely. One thing actually, I meant to note when we were talking about DL Hall before was that you know his changeup really is much, much improved. And I think it might be his second best weapon after his fastball now. And we've heard before from a couple sources um, that the Orioles feel like they can teach pitchers a really good changeup. And I think we're starting to see that uh, in action now. So that's very exciting as far as just pitcher development throughout the system goes. You kind of get the sense, and I, I sort of got this from Andy, and I've gotten this reading articles where Hall is interviewed or even seeing um, video interviews of him you get the sense that reliever talk really gets under his skin and has been a real motivating factor for him. So my All question to you guys is, should we just continue to talk about it? No, I don't want to troll DL Hall, um, but you definitely get the sense that that's something that like lights a fire in him. And this is a guy that's already competitive as is. I absolutely love his attitude. <laughs> I mean, I probably hate it if he was a Yankee or Red Sox, but I, <laughs> I freaking love it because I don't think we've had at least a pitcher with the, you know, I'm the best, come prove me wrong attitude, and I absolutely love it. It's going to be fantastic to see on a weekly basis. Exactly. The talks of all the walks pissed him off. Like, let's call it what it is. It pisses him off to talk about all the command issues, uh, to call him, you know, injury plagued, uh, to call him a reliever. He, he, I think some of the stuff has been, uh, he deletes it, but um, whenever a big prospect list comes out, 
he's got comments about them. Um, I think it was a funny one. I think it was, I don't know if it was baseball, the micro MLB pipeline. He's like, do they even watch us play? Like um, the dude has got, I think Bob said it perfectly there. If he wasn't an Oriole, I would probably hate DL Hall <laughs> and, and think like this, this guy, uh, but he's on this Orioles roster that I've been begging for some personality. We're seeing that at the major league level this year. Uh, the home run chain is what it is, but you know, that aside, this major league roster, Ryan Mountcastle, Mateo, Andy's turning me around on, on Jorge Mateo there. Uh, shout out to Ben in the Patreon group. Um, he, he kept fighting for him. I, I'm turning on him a little bit um, in a good way. But yeah, that I want that attitude with Grayson and Adley in the major leagues. And that's keep dreaming on it. And it's going to happen soon. Yeah, Adley's not going to give you the personality, but he'll give you the incredible performance. And then we'll have some uh, sprinkle some personality around him. And actually, I think DL and Grayson will will bring some personality out of him that uh, he wouldn't typically yeah. bring. I think behind the scenes, Adley, Adley is uh, right there with him. He keeps up with him. He's the perfect Michael Elias, like, <laughs> cor- like uh, you know, basically, Michael Elias and Adley Rutschman will always be tied together because he was the first one one after he took over. And they are so both buttoned up. They're perfect for each other. <laughs> Speaking of players that play with personality, Gunnar Henderson, it, we talked about how good Gunnar Henderson was last week, and I didn't really think we were going to need to revisit that again, but he's hit two home runs tonight against Hartford at Prince George's Stadium. He's now reached base, I believe it's 31 of 32 games this season, reached base 29 games in a row at one point. And like we talked about in our interview, he is just – much better in so many different ways this year. He's a more complete hitter. He's not striking out as much. He has gotten better at shortstop. I have to feel like the time for him to get to AAA is getting close and, you know, go there and perform. I think he's going to be there for the rest of the year when he gets there. But this is just, I've always been high on Gunnar Henderson. Listeners of the show know that. Readers over at Baltimore Sports and Life know that. But I didn't see this coming this year at all because i don't no. think you could i don't i think if you had drawn this up it's like that's too much of a best case scenario don't don't expect that yeah he's hit his like 150 uh, percent that i expected of of him you know how picota always does that percentage of breakthrough and all that like this is unbelievable like it's i'm just wait like part of me is just waiting for it to come like back down to earth a bit but it's only getting better as the season goes on. Now the power is starting to come, which we know he hits the ball hard, but now he's starting to to hit him over the fence a little bit more. He had a triple on Sunday as well. Like, man, he could be a top 20 prospect in baseball by July. Easily. Um, yeah, he's hitting over 300 now with his two for three performance with three RBIs and two home runs. Um I think the, John Mioli, shout out to John Mioli for the for those videos that I saw right before we hopped on. Um, John's at, at the Bowie Bay Sox game tonight. That first home run, the bat drop, and the little like stop and like put the head down and start jogging towards first. My man is bored in Bowie. Like that was my first impression. He's like, all right, another one. Let me jog around the home around the home plate here and get back to the dugout so I can do it again. Like challenge this guy. Um, mm-hmm. Like this is the point, you know, and I mentioned, I just have put up a piece, uh, put a piece up on baltimoresportsandlife.com. And I said, I still think like this is going under the radar. I still don't think what Gunnar Henderson is doing so far this season is getting talked about enough. Um, and, you know, we, when we had Michael Elias on, he said, he admitted, he was like, yeah, like some of those initial assignments are probably, were probably a little conservative, but, and him and Matt Blood said the same thing that they're not afraid to move these guys up and challenge them. Uh, and I think Gunnar Henderson has reached that point where he's done being challenged in double A. Cesar Prito is done being challenged in high A. Uh, that one I could certainly understand being that initial placement first time over here in the States, but he is having too easy of a job uh, with the Aberdeen Iron Bridge right now. So he's got to move up. Uh, you look at the AAA roster though, and it's like, how are all the dominoes going to fall? I don't know, but I imagine in the next week, probably next Monday, we see mass movement in this organization. And it could be, maybe it is this weekend, but we know they like to make a lot of these minor league moves Sunday night, Monday with, with the off day, obviously. But yeah, and I think someone, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but uh, someone had commented on Twitter that you know they expected, if anything, for Westberg to be putting up these types of numbers or Westberg to be the guy pushing for a AAA uh, promotion at this point, not Gunnar Henderson. And yet, like you guys said, Gunnar Henderson is far surpassing expectations at this point. At this point, 
I think Gunnar Henderson could be the best prospect on maybe 26 or 27 of the major league teams right now. And he's our fourth best prospect. That's how loaded we are at the top. So <laughs> unbelievable development. You know, you, you always expect players to break through every season and to, and to kind of crash back down a little bit uh, based on your expectations. But to have a guy who is already like a top four or five in one of the best farm systems in baseball to take this big of a leap is just it's crazy. And we have one, one coming up. Don't, don't forget about that. Before we move on, I do actually want to talk about Jordan Westbrook a little bit because Westbrook did get in, into a slump and now seems to be breaking out of it. It actually started a little bit. I want to say it was last week where he was walking a lot, but the base hits weren't dropping in. Now the hits are starting to drop in again. He's two for four tonight against Hartford. Even if he's, let's say hitting, you know, 230, 240 in a few weeks. Do you write off that slump and promote him to AAA? Because I think I would. For me, 1,000%. I, I think, you know, obviously you don't want to promote him in the middle of a slump like that, but they have their own way of, I don't think they're just looking at, you know, the stat line and, oh, he's batting 145 this week. I think they're going more off of exit velocities and just pitch selections as we've as we've seen throughout the system. I think... They'll know when he's ready, and it might not look like, you know, he's banging down the door for us. But I think if he's hitting the ball hard, he's playing good defense. I, I definitely think he's another by midseason. He'll be up in AAA, even if the numbers aren't as good as we might expect. Yeah, I think if you know if we're talking about you know putting Gunnar Henderson, switch that for Gunnar Henderson. I would say no, but Westberg, I would say yes, and that's mostly due to like when we've had Tim DeJean on, when we've had Matt Blood on, and we've talked to these guys, the teammates of these players, um, what all of them have to say about Westberg and his personality and who he is off the field and as a player, how he prepares day in and day out, like that gives me confidence that even though he is slumping, um, like he doesn't need anybody to tell him that he's slumping or he's having a bad game. He's the first one to admit it. And he's, I think he got ejected the other night. And was I wrong there? Um, like, Game clearly, against Redding, yeah. And this That's is even when he's, strikes. when he's breaking out of the slump. I mean, he's getting fired up, uh, getting ejected. But you know, it's for that reason. I would say, yeah, that's why I think if you want to promote Gunner and Westbrook, keep them together, move them up to Norfolk in you know a week, maybe two weeks. That's fine. Or do Henderson in a week, and then Westbrook in two or three weeks. Uh, I, I think I would definitely do that because. Yeah, Westberg is Westberg is a guy that I don't ever see putting up the big flashy numbers. I see Westberg as being a guy who is just quietly, consistently a a good, solid major leaguer year after year. Never too high, never too low. At the, by the end of the year, when you look at a stat line, maybe never, you know, maybe not a multi-time All Star, but just year in and year out, you can count on Westberg to be a reliable bat in your lineup. Absolutely, and we'll move on now to the segment. At the end of our show, we like to shout out players for things that they have done recently, whether it's been a good game, good performance, or maybe something that we noticed watching them or seeing our stat line, seeing their stat lines that we want to point out. And I'm going to start with uh, Nick here, who's got pretty interesting here and a pitcher at Aberdeen who seems to be getting more dominant by the outing. Yes. Let me find who I put there. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Dashbach, I put as my hitter, uh, you know, Dashback was a guy who I've always been really hesitant to buy the hype on. And there was a little bit going into to last season, but I was kind of skeptical just because he can get on base, no issues there, but the insane strikeout numbers always scared me. And, you know, he's not like a Kyle Stowers type who can hit the ball extremely well, hit for high average and still get on base. But um, Dashback went four for 10 last week with two home runs and four walks to just two strikeouts. Uh, him and Zach Watson both ended the week uh, pretty on a pretty high note for Bowie. So I think with Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz even breaking out of their slumps, I'm anxious to see uh, where this Bowie roster goes this week. Um, and for my pitcher, I'm going back to Aberdeen, and I can't remember if one of you had Carlos Tavera uh, on a recent episode. And if you guys did, uh, I apologize to the listeners, but you get to hear about Carlos Tavera again because. I'm going to pound the drum for these Aberdeen pitchers every chance I get because I love the staff so much. And Tavera threw five shutout innings last week, allowed just one hit, one walk, six strikeouts. Over his last two outings, he's got nine scoreless innings with 11 strikeouts, two walks, just one hit. 
And we heard before the season that if he could throw strikes and not walk guys, he could be he would be considered a legitimate starting pitching prospect in this system. And he's doing exactly that. You go look at running that fastball up to 96 miles an hour. If you look at the video that we posted the other day from his outing, um, it looks like he's playing with a wiffle ball out there with some of those pitches. I don't know how guys – well, I would say I don't know how guys are hitting it, but they're literally not hitting him over the last <laughs> two weeks. Uh, so if Carlos Tavera isn't on your radar, put him on your radar right now. I absolutely love Carlos Tavera. I feel like we can't talk about him enough. And, you know, not to bring up uh, the cupboards and all that, but uh, the pitching is just continuously impressive to me throughout this entire system at every level. So I love that shout out. I'm going to go with my pitcher first, Connor Gillespie, a guy who, interesting, interestingly enough, 24 years old, you know, ninth round pick in 2019 draft, has only ever played for the Aberdeen Ironbirds. They were the short ball team when uh, short season team when he got drafted. He pitched there. Then he was with them all of last season, and now he's been with them all of this season so far. But he had a great outing, six innings of what he gave up one hit or something, and eight strikeouts uh, in his last time out. And he's been pitching really well. So I wanted to shout him out. He's a guy I think that has been hurt by the long ball. His home run to fly ball ratio has been pretty high the past couple of years, but. He's uh, another interesting arm. I think he's more of a bullpen arm going forward, but they keep stretching him out throughout his career, and, and we'll see where it goes. Strikeouts are up. Strikeouts are up. Walks are down this year, so shout out to him. And for my batter, I'm going Shane Fontana, kind of like a Dylan Harris special here, like where another 2019 pick who 23rd round outfielder, never really thought anything of him other than like, a, okay, this is like the, the organizational filler type. Well, all of a sudden he's in double A, and he's walking 17% of the time with a 149 WRC plus, hitting for some power, getting on base with the 866 OPS. Like he's all of a sudden he's batting cleanup in a loaded Bowie lineup. And it's like, okay, I guess they unlock something here. Start paying attention to him too. Yeah, Gillespie has been pretty sharp for Aberdeen this year. It's good to see him like getting stretched out. A little bit. And, you know, even if he is more of a bullpen arm down the line, I think this is a good time to let him pitch in deeper into games, see what his repertoire is, and see what you can work with. My picks this week, um, I got to shout out Creed Williams for his first professional home run. And he did it in a way that is not easy. If you were listening to our show early last year, week after week, we would talk about what Gunnar Henderson was doing in Delmarva and how he's this left-handed hitter hitting the ball opposite field of Purdue Stadium, which is not an easy thing to do. The power alleys down there are somewhat deep. It's not easy for a lefty to poke it out to left center field. Creed Willems' first professional home run on Sunday was just that. Hit out to left center field. He had a good swing on it. He had a triple in that game as well. And he has been pretty solid behind the plate for Delmarva. So maybe this past weekend represents a point where the bat's going to start to come around a little bit more and – yeah, this Delmarva team still struggling overall, but they had uh, a couple of good games last week and definitely get the feeling that maybe as the bats start to heat up a little bit, the Storberg are going to win more games. And pitcher is an easy pick, but I, I don't know that enough can be said to really shout out Nick Vespi for the way that he has reached the major leagues. Last year, you remember, he was pretty good at Bowie to start the year, got hurt, was barely off the IL when he was promoted to Norfolk, struggled there, but then went to the Arizona Fall League and just dominated. And he's getting shouted out by Jonathan Mayo on the MLB Network broadcast about being a possible Rule 5 pick. Rule 5 draft the Major League phase doesn't happen. He stays with the Orioles. And I'm sure that was a disappointment in a way to him at the time, but it has paid off for the Orioles, and I think it's paid off for him. He was not walking anybody at Norfolk striking people out and that fastball slider combination to me gives him a chance to be a successful reliever at the major league level. And yeah, he's not throwing 97, 98. This is not another Tanner Scott, CNL Perez type fastball, but the way he commands it, the way he moves it, and then the slider to go with that, he's going to be pretty sharp. I think fans are going to quickly come to like watching Nick Vespi pits at the major league level. So congratulations to him. And, Congratulations to Logan Gillespie, too. Uh, I wrote this down before we knew Gillespie was going, but I have to give him a lot of credit. 
great backstory how he was picked out of the Brewers and picked by the Brewers out of independent ball, released by Milwaukee eventually, then signed by the Orioles early last year, goes to Aberdeen, then Bowie makes a 40 man roster and was getting, you know, praised by Eric Longhagen for the way that his stuff looked in the Arizona Fall League. And then comes out of the gate this year strong at Bowie and then Norfolk and now the majors. So congrats to both of them. Yeah. Gillespie fits right into with Felix Batista, Brian Baker, Siono Perez, just a guy who's going to come in and throw gas. Uh, and then he can wipe you out with that slider as well. But yeah, Nick Vespi, like that was amazing uh, to see, to actually see the, those flowing golden locks on the, the graphics and saying like, he's an Oriole. Um, you look back, like I was looking at his page earlier, 149 minor league games. He was a starter and reliever coming up for his first couple of years. Then he was like, they put him in the full time as a, a bullpen in 2018. Then he's back as a starter slash reliever in 2019. And Delmarva doesn't pitch at all in high A because the pandemic season gets promoted to Bowie, where now he's back in the bullpen after having a really good season as a starter with Delmarva in 2019. But now he's back in the bullpen and now he's just dominating. Uh, and now he's a major leaguer. And it was really really cool to see nick vespi in the major leagues after all these years a guy that the elias regime i feel like could have came in and when they were cleaning the house let vespi go after a guy who kind of struggled in delmar just like ofelke peralta but could have let him go but they put their faith in vespi and uh it's it's paid off yeah absolutely very cool to see and you could tell how high the organization was with him because like you said he just skipped high a completely i think we were a little bit surprised when he was on the double a roster when those 2021 rosters came out and he dominated there he got hurt and then like zach said that he struggled a little bit with triple a but his peripherals were much better than uh, the numbers indicated and he proved that at the afl and thank goodness the rule five got canceled because we would have lost him and i think he's going to be a really good presence in that uh, orioles bullpen going forward if you like uh, listening to us talk about pitchers, you're going to love next week's show when Norfolk Tides pitching coach Justin Ramsey comes on. Um, Justin apparently heard our interview with Drew Rom and decided, I want to do that too. He'll be on for the whole show. Uh, that's his plan as of right now, so we're really looking forward to his appearance next Monday. In the meantime, continue to follow us on Twitter, at BSL Nevers, and be sure to check out the latest articles at BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Bob and Nick both have new stories up there this week. And there's also a lot of great Orioles, Ravens, college sports coverage and more. So be sure to hop on the message board and join the discussion with fellow readers of the site as well as contributors. Uh, for Bob and Nick, this is Zach Spedden. We'll be back next Monday. And you've been listening to On the Verge. <laughs>